Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by Scientific, also known as Andy Rorman, for Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals. And it's part one of a two-part conversation that I have with Andy about both Oxenfree games. The first game, Oxenfree, came out in 2016. The second game, Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals, came out this year, July 2023. So in part one, we primarily talk about the second game, and we spend a lot of time on the first game in part two of our chat, which you'll hear next week. Now, uh, both games are coming-of-age stories full of dialogue between main characters. In the first game, you play as Alex. She's a high schooler that's heading to the fictional Edwards Island to party with friends, including her best friend, Ren, who does come up in this conversation, because Ren's a musician and a stoner. And uh, also she's there with her stepbrother, um, an ex-girlfriend of her deceased brother, all kinds of uh, interesting characters on the island with Alex. And they're all kind of around that same age, high school-y age, um, late high school. In Oxenfree 2, you're Riley. And Riley and the characters you interact with are a little bit older in Oxenfree 2. Riley is a 20-something who's returned to the Pacific Northwest to take a job setting up transmitters along the coast to study radio anomalies. And that's important because radio is a huge piece of the oxen-free puzzle in both games. You carry a portable transistor radio around in the first and second games. So while you're wandering the landscape, you can listen to music and other types of talk. And that gave Andy the chance to write a lot of diegetic music for the radio. So diegetic music means that the characters in that story can hear the music, they're aware of it. Uh, So there's a lot of cool diegetic music as well as the soundtrack that he wrote um, to accompany the landscape. And about that music, um, Andy Rohrman, Scientific, has my number. And I don't know exactly what it is, I have some theories, but I am very passionate about the music in these games. I love this music. I feel like it captures the innocence of the high schoolers in the first game. It captures the more somber tone of the second, yet it belongs exclusively to the landscape that it's been composed to support. And I just, I have so many favorite tracks between the two games. It was honestly almost overwhelming to do this interview because I was so scared of what I would not have time to talk about or what I would miss. And with regards to the discussion, Andy and I leave out spoilers for the second game since it's only been out for a couple of months. The first one, really not so much. They, they, the two games really are intertwined as well. So it's almost impossible to talk about the second game without talking about spoilers from the first. So if you want to experience both of these games spoiler-free, just do that and then uh, come back to these conversations. And I'm just gonna say it one last time. I love these soundtracks so much. I love the games too. The replayability is very high as you uncover more secrets, more dialogue, more music sometimes, more audio secrets. It's absolutely fantastic. And we kind of start off with me talking about how much I love these games. I've been telling everybody about these games that will listen to me and seriously, I've been looking forward to this so I just have an excuse to talk about it for for a while. Um, they, they're, they're both just such uh, beautiful games in so many ways. Like, um, I love the art. I love the music, obviously. Um, the stories are great. Uh, yeah, it's, they're, they're each 
gems and you know, the more time I spent with each of them, because after I finished the second one, I went back and played the first one again. I'm like, well, now I got to do this again. So I did that. And then I started the second one again. And then I didn't like how I started it. So I started it again. <laughs> uh, and and so technically, this is my third. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm toward the end, um, I know, of of my second full playthrough of, of the second game. And... Um, and I was just telling you before I hit record, I, I feel like I could I could just spend weeks and weeks on both of these games and I would still be finding connections that I know I'm going to miss all over the place. And so I look forward to you pointing out some of those things for me, hopefully. Um, yeah. Well, the but, ones I remember. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the same way. Like, I think just the way these games have developed, it's so much like, oh, we could throw this idea in and mostly musically, but just ideas, ideas, and then they aren't necessarily, like, part of script, so then I kind of forget. Sure, sure. <laughs> well, a, lot and, of, a lot of, I guess, deep lore. Um, yeah. And, yeah, enough of, so much of it that, yeah, some, somebody can bring something up, and I'm like, I don't know what that is, and then I think <laughs> about it, and I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, forgot we did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and there's so many different uses of music in the game, too, which is really fun and yeah. on top of all of that you did the sound too in both of these games right the first and second i collaborated okay. with a sound designer so now that i'm audio director for night school it's a little more supervisory okay but to kick off oxen free one it was just me for the first i don't know six okay. months so everything from setting ambiences in the various areas of the game to like, you know, squeaky doors and things like that. But then uh, for Oxenfree 1, sound designer named Jason Galati uh, came on and really took over. And so by the end, I was only working on music. Okay. Um, and then for Oxenfree 2, we had Rachel Hartanto and Chris Purse, who okay. Chris is now full-time with night school as well. Um, so yeah, a lot of uh, thankful for a lot of help. But yeah, initially kind of like driving the vision and the concept and okay. all that, that okay. sort of stuff. Well, I just want to bounce some, like, from one to two things that I noticed. And, and uh, uh, another a listener, a patron, Utopia Nemo, also wrote in and asked uh, me to ask you because it seemed like, and this is my theory, and you can tell me to shut the fuck up anytime. I swear <laughs> to God, this is your interview. But it's like, I, I initially thought when I first started playing Oxenfree 2, I was like, this seems more ambient and more background than the music in the first game. Mm -hmm. And and I thought, well, yes, that's true, but also I feel like the second game is longer. There's more time for ambience. Um, yeah. And also it's mixed differently. So it's it's behind it's it's farther back in the mix, I feel like the music is in, in Oxen Free 2 compared to the first one. So so I just want kind of your reactions to all of those comments like yeah. The fact that initially Oxenfree 2 seemed less 
kind of in-your-face melodic, but the more I listened to it, the less I felt that way. I thought, no, there's still really strong yeah. melodic content throughout this whole soundtrack. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, on the mix, yes, it's lower and more proper. Uh, <laughs> you know, Oxenfree 1, it was just a little scrappier and it's a little loud uh, to the point where I think some people have complained. <laughs> you know, and that's one of the things, it's like tough to be my own judge on yeah. mix and things like that. Yeah. I tend to go lower, I think, with music volume. Mm. Uh, so yeah, we just kind of learned from the first one. So that's, on the technical side, that's that. Creatively, I think just fortunately, based on how Oxyfree One starts, we just started with some like more in-your-face mm. songs up mm -hmm. front to the point where that Epiphany Field song yeah, the speak at Deep Lore. That was originally intended as one of Ren's band's like demo songs. Oh, okay. Ren is so one of the main point, character's friends. Yeah, her yeah. best friend. Yeah. So yeah, so it's, at some point we decided that Ren's band would have a song on the radio, uh, and so I wrote three things. One of them is the song on the radio that I just sent you uh, okay. over email. And then the other two just ended up as part of the score that they were like, oh, we need something brighter and kind of poppier to open it. Yeah. Uh, and that was the scene setting there. And so for Oxenfree 2, it's much darker opening. It in is, the series. yeah. We didn't get to jump in like that. True. And then we never really do. <laughs> so um, just, I think it is moodier overall, for sure. Um, or I would say more grown up getting to kind of the deeper of like why and how it's written that way is like we're dealing with characters that have moved on or you know much later in life or mm -hmm. later in life mm -hmm. and so the music's grown up a little as yeah. well yeah i think is a way to put it like I need to it's <laughs> but I mean I um I, I did feel like um you know there are, there are all kinds of times in Oxenfree 2 where there where there's major tonality you know where there's a more uplifting hopeful sound there are times and places for that and we'll talk about some of those in detail but um there's far more of that I think in in the first game because of those things that you said the youthfulness the naivete the coming of age in a different way than a 20 some year old does right like like these are high school kids and so you know it really struck me how how well in hindsight you captured that I don't know if I would have been able to articulate that unless there had been a second game you know what I mean and I thought that yeah. was cool yeah thank yeah. you yeah. yeah I too did not think about it until comparing or working on the second one and really like realizing that a lot of what was making Oxenfree, Oxenfree was a little more youthful and yeah, more melodic, mm -hmm. more rhythmic and less just, I don't want to say backgroundy, but uh, yeah, just less of that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With the yeah. exception of we kind of had more almost action scenes in Oxenfree 2 that were more 
overtly and directly scored. Mm, um, so that's okay. a chance to do some more like you know louder stuff, quicker arrangements and whatnot. But yeah, mm. for the most part, it was much much more subdued. I mean, if it's not clear, I, I loved them both. I love the experience of both. And um, the more secrets I uncover, the more times I want to go back and try again. I, you know, when I finished the second one and then I started again, didn't like that start over. So I started again. It was like yeah. even the third time starting, I tried to make all the same choices, but it was clear that I hadn't because I was not getting some of the same dialogue later. And I was like, damn it, what did I do wrong, you know? Or or just watching other people talk about their experiences and they're like, this scene ends happy. And I'm like, mine didn't. <laughs> mine did not yeah, end yeah. happy at all. And it's it's just like how, you know, where where did I take a different path? And it just, it's, the replayability is so high. I love it. Um, so, okay. Well, let's stay. Oh, God, it's so hard for me to... We're probably going to bounce back and forth the whole time. Who am I kidding? But um, uh, it fits the games. Time loops. It does. <laughs> Lots of time loops. Um, but just to address again the opening of of Oxenfree Two, I, I love the opening. It is much darker. She like yeah. kind of wakes up on a dock, basically, just like on the ground. And Riley is her name. And and um, and I just love how the music carries you through that opening scene. kind of heading toward this lighthouse, just trying to figure out what's going on. And I just, I loved the intensity of the music. So talk to me about that. Yeah, well, that piece of music, this is a a, a low-key Easter egg. Uh, but that piece of music is essentially a, a version of something that appeared in Oxenfree 1. Yeah, okay. So if you look at all the, all the songs, anything that ends in station is that. Okay. Um, so that's Atwater Station, um, Catbird Station. Yes. Uh, Hole Station. I see. I don't even remember my own song name, but yeah. um, <laughs> that was kind of like to tie together this basic melody that was just very useful. Everybody liked and everybody wanted to put all over the place in the game. So in Oxford One, I was like, uh, I should make a different version of it. So I made a different version, and then it appears twice in Oxenfree 2. So it appears there uh, again in a kind of revised version and then it appears again at the waterfall with Charlie. Yes. But then I was like, all right, now this is the fourth time I've done this. So my little kind of in-joke to myself is that the fourth version is just the other three chopped up and spliced together. Is that so to I the just... island? 
Um, no, this is. Oh. You know oh, what? I, I don't see even what you remember mean. what I called it. Okay. This one. This. See, I'll have to look at my own notes. <laughs> no, you should. <laughs> and do it. Do it. I think it's something station. Uh, oh, it is. You know, well, I know something station. It is uh, Arcadia station. Oh, Arcadia station. All those names, just so you know, those are all World War II, like, missions, like secret mission names. Okay. So as a cheat for naming a bunch of stuff that had to do with the Kanaloa, I would just look at, like, old World War II uh, uh, lists of, you know, secret missions they ran in the South Pacific or whatever and oh, stole cool. names. Nice. Um, that's where a ton of these names come from. But anyway, so, yeah, that Arcadia station is just the other three the stations... Other chopped up and spliced I together. I see what you're saying. Okay, okay. Because there is a version that you do of that melody from Atwater Station where it's kind of like weirdly major or you invert some things and you kind of mm. manipulate that melody. That's to the island. love that. And the first time I heard it was on the radio, and then I heard it later, I feel like, in the texture of the game. Is that accurate? That sounds, that's highly likely. Because <laughs> <laughs> I there do is, hear others on the on the radio sometimes, too. Yeah. 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 There's so much on the radio Yeah. that, and again, like, the concept of the game is, like, kind of a free-for-all. Like, we could put score on there because I've played with that so much already, that score and in-game music kind of crossover. Yeah. That, like, screw it. You know, well, the well the, the um, magnetophone puzzles, you know, that's yeah. just beach, but in a kind of, like, a whatever, 40s, 30s style. Mm -hmm. um, so we're already self-referencing, so there's no reason, yeah, I can't, like, oh... Just put this on the Well, did you listen to the island? Because that's the one that's like a little inverted, which I liked. Why did you yeah. do that to that melody? I don't know. It <laughs> just has stuck with. It's so much the game, you yeah, know. Yeah. And there was also this was the point 
you know, we've hinted at chunks of Oxenfree 1 already in Oxenfree 2, but mm-hmm. this was like, we're going back to where it all happened. So I knew I needed yeah. something uh, evocative there, and I don't know which branch you took, but spoiler alert, one of them is with Jacob and the other is with Alex. Uh, okay. Ghost ghost, ghost, Alex? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. I'm with Alex. Um, so it was definitely, I wanted something that reference. Referenced Osbury yeah. once. People kind of get that vibe. Yep. I tried like, way overt, like just straight up putting uh, 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 full versions of stuff from Osbury one there. Nothing really quite worked because I realized this is one that had to more tightly score to the moods of the characters. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but also like int- reintroduce the island. So, yeah. So, to the island <laughs> and <laughs> then the once island. you're at the island when you're on the docks it's that's one that is remixed manipulated oxygen free one music then yeah. even when you go to the beach that's i think it's bacon beach backwards and you know so we try to get as much of the original oxygen free one island into um, the visit in oxygen free two as possible and again just that's one of the things i i've said about these games is they're not so they're not scored to character characters as much as they are the environment. Sure. So yep. this is like this is the island. Like I've imagined like to the point where it's almost diegetic. Like this is just like what the island sounds like as part of the ambience is these, you know, chunks of music, radio broadcasts and things. Yeah. So um just trying to be evocative of that in subtle ways. Maybe poke some some good good memories uh, when people get back there. Because I know even you know we're showing it the whole game. I think people are like, "Ooh, we get to go back to Edwards." <laughs> yeah, it is in the background that whole time. Um, and what was that like to to revisit some of that stuff? I mean, I'm sure you hadn't. Maybe you had, but it seems like some of that music you might not have tinkered with for a while. And then, since so much of it does get kind of like remixed, uh, what was yeah. that like? Uh, it was a ton of fun. One, I'm a bit obsessive about archives and backups. So oh, going back six years, as stuff opened right up. Nice. Uh, they're with the, you know, virtual versions of synthesizers or with just the recordings. Um, so that's kind of one of the first things I did was kind of listen through and then started opening projects for thinking about songs that became most important for for people who loved the first game to bring them back or resurrect or remix in some way, uh, even to the point of finding like old versions that I had abandoned. Um, Well, this is really cool. Um, So let me look. I'm looking through the names. Yes, I did call it. So Past Days is a version of Days Past from Oxenfree 1, and it has orchestral elements. And because I had fiddled in the first game with like, oh, what would an orchestral version of this sound like and then ditched it or only used chunks of it and so I was like well I'm putting it in Oxenfree 2 because <laughs> it sounds good.
I imagine we spoke it was around this time last year. I can't quite remember, but I feel like it was summertime. Um, uh, you must have been working on this then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. When did you start working on Oxenfree 2? That's a good question. It's been been in progress a while. Going to do, speaking of being organized, <laughs> and open up a folder and look at the date modified. Yes. No, I created and see when the first projects were. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, this actually shows some of this, how far back I reference. So some of this is Augustine Free 1 stuff. But yeah, it looks like. 2019 like i think it was really leading into pandemic almost oh, okay the first fiddling started <laughs> yeah 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 uh then off and on or mostly on but in different ways for the next you know up until it launched uh because beyond the music we went through so much transition night school did that we got uh uh, extensions basically we got to keep tinkering instead of just having to push it out um, so yeah there was kind of ongoing mu- music work consistently right up until a few months before it came out mm. yeah 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 uh, it, it was simultaneously very slow moving and also very fast moving because there was just so much to deal with right well, and again, I think that part of that is because there were so many ways to plug music into the game, right? I mean, you've got all the radio content and you can't, some of that came from the score itself, but a lot of it didn't, right? So, um, and I I ended up asking you <laughs> about one of the tracks. The first time I played through Oxenfree 2, I did not unlock the radio channel with the high school radio station advice line. Yeah. So and I don't know why I just didn't spend much time. Li- so I didn't hear any of that the first playthrough. And then when I went through it the second time, I was like, oh, my God, I love this music on this station so much. Well, so um, talk a little bit more uh, about that, if you would, just, you know, making yeah. these songs, you know, as someone else in the game. Um, yeah, this is fun because it starts in such a simple way and it's been going on so long with Night School, like beyond even the Oxen Freeze. We've done that. We did this a lot for After Party, which is that the writers, um, those song, the song names and the like band names are things that the writers make up and just put in the script. So the first thing that happened is we had, well, in Oxenfree One was Ren's band. Yeah. And so all I knew was I think Adam Hines had named it. Oh, his band's the Redheaded Bedwetters, and the song is called Baby Carrots. And that's all, that's what I started with. like 10 seconds of it uh but even this is how weird and deep we can get we did a collector's edition with i am 8-bit and so one of the things we put in there was ren's demo tape 
<laughs> so like, oh, well, here's where. So the only place that the full song existed was on a real cassette you got with this collector's edition. I don't know how many of those they even made. <laughs> um, so yeah, so then, you know, we did After Party and there's a bunch of band names dropped there. And so we made references in After Party to some kind of funny stuff. And then the Again, Maria's radio station, the, the band names and song names just showed up in the script. So I'm like, okay, well, what does Philly 68 sound like? And I was like, well, either they're a genuine, you know, psych band from 1968, or they're people like in the 90s pretending Lenny Kravitz style to be from 1968. <laughs> um, and the other one, the mouse in the house was like, oh, it's probably a dumb, dumb punk band. Local uh, dumbasses, right? Yeah. Uh, and so I just write the, <laughs> write the songs. And then embarrassingly, local dumbasses, we needed a singer and I'm here. That so was I you? I, <laughs> I wondered. I don't know. I did that in like a half hour. Oh, God. Like punk rock out. Um, Morgan Cooley on 98.1 so not the high school this is like the music from the hearts of space D did you ever know that show did you ever encounter that show on public radio music from the hearts of space yeah it's a nod it's a nod yeah uh, <laughs> so Morgan Cooley may or not may not be me um, and that's a in joke that's existed even well before uh well before Oxenfree was a thing. So yeah, people look online. If you if you Google Morgan Cooley, uh, he's got an entire album of... What? Yeah. Oh, God. I think okay. that's all I can say. Spoil it. He's, you know, he's off in a cabin in the woods somewhere in Oregon just making uh, new age music. And in, in Oxenfree lore, he's Ren's uh, uncle. Ren's uncle. He says, I just want to give a shout out. I can't remember how he says it. He wants to say hi to his nephew, Ren, who's been on this. I've been on this journey. I can't remember how he says it, but he's something like, good luck on your musical journey. Or it's, it's just, they're all stoners. It's great. I love it. Yeah. Side effect of working on this game and working with night school is we get to indulge these dumb little ideas. best. <laughs> <laughs> spend so much time just standing there listening and you know for those who haven't played the game by radio they're not like driving around in a car she she's carrying just a little tiny radio with her a little portable uh uh radio and 
she can just kind of scroll through it whenever she wants and sometimes that's really important to the story and sometimes it's just for the hell of it and it's it's great it's great super fun super fun we have kind of a developing a philosophy developing at night school which is just you know i've always just said vibe like we want the vibe there but it's video games you know there's story or there's action you know that people play for but underlying everything, there should just be this feeling of like that the player wants to be there. You mm-hmm. know, I want to go hang out on the island. So yeah, you know, I want to play again and get the other dialogue options or get the storyline. But also, it should mentally just feel like a good a vibe. Yeah. I want to. I don't even want to be good because sometimes you know, like there are like horror games or action games that are very not feel good but it's still it's like oh it's a place i enjoy i don't know if you've heard of uh devil daggers but it's a very Mm -hmm. i'm terrible at it extremely breakneck like an average gameplay loop is like a minute Mm -hmm. and it's horrifying skulls flying around kind of doom-esque thing but it's just like oh they nailed the vibe so perfectly so it's definitely Mm -hmm. not happy like oh i can go there and relax but it's something that's like almost addicting in a way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just providing players with a place where it's like comfortable and they want to be. Yeah. Uh, and radio content really, really helps that. So even if yes. it's not part of the story uh, directly, yeah, you can go sit in the forest and listen to Morgan's radio station or follow along with Maria and like her life and it's really, for me at least, just really enriches the the world. Or parentage, you know, you can find out more about parentage. You can learn to cook. There's a uh, cooking show. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and we just push to get as much of that created as possible. Yeah. can play the whole game without ever interacting with any of that. But it just provides so much... Uh, because you got the, the kind of the eye candy of the world, mm-hmm. so we just something something uh, to match to really just flush it all out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were talking several minutes ago about how there, you know, there really are some very beautiful, um, kind of calming musical moments in the score in in varying places uh, epsilon is one of the tracks it's just it's so gentle and beautiful um and black lake is a really good example too and there are others like to hear you talk about you know kind of switching gears that way yeah um you know we discussed a little already that the the characters we're following are at a later point in their lives than the characters from yeah but i think one of the things i was really you know playing off of was we know more about what's on the other side of portals now and I don't want to use the word spacey, but in general, (laughs) 
you'll notice com- one compared to the other, there's a lot more use of reverb and space within the songs. And that is, for me at least, the writing is, it's kind of, as the time loop things come become more prominent and we understand what the portals is, we've come unstuck, like the character is kind of unstuck in reality. And part of that is just a real simple way to do that. It's tons of reverb. Yeah. So every spacey and floaty and like harder to understand or grasp immediately. And that's the same with like less overt or poppy like melodies and things is just letting stuff have a little more space and have it be a little more ambiguous. And ultimately that was uh, to intended to match that feeling of mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm really detached too because, you know, there's the one multiple scenes, but the one, uh, you know, where Riley keeps waking up at the bus stop. Yes. And so that where we intentionally, well, you're kind of hearing the normal song, but again, we're manipulating score as well. And it gets more worse and more distorted each time she hasn't fixed the loop. So yeah, it's yeah. that and to the point where it bleeds into things that in our, from the player perspective or like normal time, you know, where Riley's just traversing the world with with Jacob, it can still be more spacey because it's like that psychological vibe has kind of infected everything. There's a track called Change the Station. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is, there's action happening here. The, what a fun opening to that track, because it's kind of just like if you got 12 different puzzles and put them together <laughs> for the first, I don't know, 30, 45 seconds of that track. Talk to me about that. Yeah, that is, uh, spoiler alert, kind of, this is the repo for all the stuff that didn't get in the score. <laughs> so, Free 1, we had, I we finished, and there was a bunch of extra music, so I was like, can I just put out a record of, of that stuff? So that's what Side Stories is, is this, um, with the exception of Beacon Bay, is the stuff that didn't make, make it into the game. Okay. So the channel changing happens in the game so there's a scene on the beach and the player can click and it you just keep changing like the moon keeps changing and then then the soundtrack does as well so that's where i stuck that but then time went like the end of that um is a piece that i loved that just didn't have a place in the actual score with the mm. exception of the that play there so it's like ah, i'll throw in like a minute or two of that on the <laughs> as if I don't know, the soundtrack's a different playthrough and you do get to listen to that instead mm-hmm. of moving away from it so quickly. So yeah, nice. that's 
that's how that started was just kind of like, hey, we'll throw some stuff in here for this specific scene. Uh, but then I realized, oh, yeah, this is the that's the garbage pile. <laughs> <laughs> and how much, um, you know, when you started working on Oxenfree 2, did you know how much of the story did you know? Did you know that Riley was older? Did you know it was going to be Riley? Did you know certain spoilers about Riley? I mean, what what kinds of things what kinds of info did you have about how the story would be in two compared to one when you started? Yeah, I think right away. I think, you know, okay. it was a pitch to us, to the development team. It was like, this is the game. This is Riley. This is uh, Jacob. We got new stuff. So one of the things was like, there's new ways to interact with people. The prime way being the walkie. And so this was a way right. to, we know... People who play night school games love conversations and they love the branching and the naturalness. The walkie development was a way to uncouple that conversational stuff from necessarily having to be with someone the whole time. So if you're like, well, right. we have to walk island, we're with Jacob. Well, we're going to talk to Jacob for a long time. Or when you interact with other characters, this was a way to bring a lot more of that conversational dialogue style into almost anywhere in the game. So obviously you do unlock characters. You can talk to uh, more or less. Uh, but it was a way to open that up. So even if a player is like, oh, I got a long way to walk or you know, I don't want to talk to Jacob, you could like click open the walkie and talk to someone else yeah. and help them you know, with their kind of side quest or just learn more about them. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, all that stuff was was pretty well solidified, and so I just had to think about how to meld that with kind of the pre-existing vibes we had set with Oxenfree One, and yeah, go from there. There's a track called Lift, um, and this happens, you kind of go back to this peak on this island and there's a whole situation that happens, and, and I really love the scene, and, and I love how Lift evolves, and it kind of goes through this kind of slow evolution initially, and then it kind of cuts out and it comes back with drums, and it's like, wah, and I love it. So talk to me about Lift. Thank you. Um, so that was, this is one of those it's a good one to ask about because it really shows um, how much of a winding path development can be is that was kind of made as like, well, if we have a scene that would fit this, that sure be cool. <laughs> so the music existed before we had fit it in to the game.
then we had this idea at some point, I don't know, it's maybe even three years ago now, like, oh, we'll put, and this is prior to Netflix getting involved. Mm. We're like, yeah, we'll put some songs on Bandcamp. You know, people will like that. We could, you know, just give them something to enjoy while they wait. And that's like, it just needed a name. So that's why it was called Lift. I was like, for some reason, I think that was the temp title. And I was like, yeah, it sounds cool. Okay. It fits. Yeah. Uh, and then we found where it fit into the game and then rearranged the parts to make it work. Okay. Specifically with uh, with Oxenfree 2, the music's like it's not hyper adaptive. Like I've done games where it's really, really tied to action and really changes it. Sure. But we do there's almost none of that in Oxenfree 1. In Oxenfree 2, we had the opportunity to really do that, to have it change depending on you know what's happening uh, at any given moment mm-hmm. in the game. So mm-hmm. yeah, got rearranged to more tightly follow, you know, what's happening in the game. And yeah, that's kind of the story. And one of the fun things about, or one of the fortunate things about devs I've worked with is they've been really flexible with allowing music to not dictate 100% what might happen, but to say, oh, we should actually leave more space for this Mm. thing. Uh, that we really enjoyed from the music. So there is a little bit of back and forth, even in terms of them having the song and going, okay, well, we're this is the general uh, flow, but we might want to leave more space here somehow, either with more dialogue or more traversal to get through so the music can have some time to uh, uh, spool out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know we, we talked previously about Jet, and that's where Jet is... I mean, their entire sections of that game that were like well the piece of music's 10 minutes long so we're gonna make the we're gonna make that part of the game 10 minutes and we didn't do as much of that with oxen free for sure but it definitely had an influence um on timing in some some scenes the valley this is one and last year we talked about your scales and putting in putting in scales or portions of scales and into the valley it's more like it's just like a tetrachord i think you just go down to like from like eight down to five or something but um but i just love it and to the valley is another one that's just really beautiful and gentle um and i just i don't know it's it's really lovely and i'd love to hear you talk about it yeah that was I don't think it was this overt, but at some point that became for me like the song, like mm. sort of 
So one thing that was fascinating about Oxenfree was seeing how people reacted to this song or that song and gravitated to things over time. So assumptions about like, oh, people will really love this. Uh, and then something else kind of bubbles up. And this is all from looking at stats for like streaming and all that stuff. Sure. But it started with Epiphany Fields being an obvious front runner because it was like, oh, it's at the beginning of the game. Everybody hears it, uh, etc. Came the most one of the most popular songs is uh, the beach seven a.m., which is the credits yeah. song for one. thing so uh i wanted to do that for this game and at at least at the start that's kind of what to the valley was it was like this is the one that kind of closest the most close to me emotionally it says the most about the game overall and that's why it took that kind of prime position start at the lighthouse and that's at water station but then we move on from that because that's cold open now we need to define what Kamina is and that's what to the valley became uh, and again kind of a more abstract title I think it I think that was a working title as well but really unintentionally almost accidentally reflects that feeling like you start in this town but it's very small and then from there like you can go to this place, to that, and that's why there's so many things called to the, is I wanted to kind of not even narrate the journey musically as much as just like point to its possibility. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, I'm going there. This is the start. Um, yeah. And so that was, I hope people <laughs> like it. It's one of the most meaningful uh, for me in that sense, mm -hmm. uh, because unlike other things, like uh to the i would say yeah like to the island i think is a good example of yeah taking something that already existed but really knowing what the scene was and saying this is what the scene needs and scoring to it
to the valley kind of started even before that. It was oh, like, wow. This is what to find this place and we'll find somewhere. And then we found the perfect place because it's the waking up at the bus stop. And then that, that happens repeatedly. We could kind of go back to it and kind of, you know, remind players over and over. And hopefully that's the familiarity. Because uh, with the beach, 7 a.m. from Oxenfree 1, like I said, it's only in the credits, but kind of not. We used, or I used that melody. I hinted at it wherever I could in the game. So you hear it in other locations uh, over and over. So I'd, I I wouldn't go so far as to say like, oh, that's why people, you know, we subconsciously like uh, uh, stuck it in people's brains. But I hope that's at least a little part of it. So it's like you stand on the the porch of the Adler house. It's it, the wind chimes are there, and if you just stand there long enough, it starts to play oh, that wow. melody. Um, so yeah, just kind of this idea of like sneaking it in wherever we could. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. Uh, think maybe, or maybe, I don't know, but it's really, it's really fascinating that the end credits became one of the most kind of iconic pieces of music for players. Yeah. yeah. How is that shaken out for Oxenfree 2 then when you look at the stats, what are people are gravitating toward? I have, I have my favorite. We haven't talked about it yet, but... I, I mean, I have a lot of favorites, obviously, but um, I have one front runner, and I'm just curious how it's how it's played out so far. Let's let's have a little fun and let's look at stats. Let's um, look at stats. And so, I think it's too recent. So, what most people don't know is you put out a collection of songs, whether it's an album or soundtrack. The first song always has the most plays, and then it just declines from there. Yeah. Again, been more amazing that the final song on the Old soundtrack was one of the most popular. Yeah, you can kind of watch. Um, yeah, and I think "To the Valley" is currently kind of a, a front runner in that respect. <laughs> Stars are on their side, which is kind of the score for the community center rotations. Yes. Um, doing okay. Actually, we're now that I look, we're kind of having a similar thing. So we do not have end credits music in this. It's just this is a whole another fun story, which is yeah. the end credits real FM transmitter. <laughs> I got obsessed. I get obsessed with these things, and so I had to get a real FM transmitter. And so all the staticky sounds of music in the end credits is real broadcasts of Oxenfree and Oxenfree Two music. 
fading in and out. Cool. But before that's the scene with the the box, so going through. And so that piece of music goes to the Pacific Northwest. Looks like it's people are people are enjoying that one too. I can point at mm-hmm. like it was over years that we had these shifts like Epiphany Fields was just the one for a wow. really long time and then it slowly faded as other things like became more important for players faded as other things like became more important for players. Do you have a favorite off the second game before we dive deeper hmm. into the first at some point? I think, yeah, I can't pick favorites, but <laughs> yes, I the Valley, I think. To the Valley, yeah. That's fun. You know, those are the two, like, almost opposites for me. What was the other one you said? Like, like sometimes I've gotten better at this, but I'm one of those people who hates everything I've ever done. <laughs> uh, but I've gotten better at that, and, and I'm able to go, yeah, that's pretty good. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> uh, less embarrassing moments. Less personally embarrassing moments. You know what it is? I, I realize now that I'm scrolling through song titles. Yeah. I think Black... That is one that is one of my favorites. Black Lake. Garland, you know, when you go, that's a location in the game and it's a ghost town. So it's creepy. And there was like a mining disaster. And so there's a graveyard. So it's super creepy. And um, one of the nights that I was just listening to the soundtrack independently of the game, I was just kind of like doing my, you know, getting ready for bed routine, which I don't know. I have this whole, all these things I do before I go to bed. And so I was doing all those, like getting the cat fresh water and doing the litter box and brushing all those things. And then I just like settled into bed with all the lights out and I was still listening. 
and I'm just sitting in the dark, like playing some match three game or some stupid shit like that. And Garland comes on and it was so creepy just laying there in the dark, listening to that. One of the things I liked about it is is how, you know, for as creepy as the game is, you don't really lean into that musically as often as you certainly could, right? I mean, um, and and so to encounter a creepy tune like Garland was, and then this piccolo sound comes in and it's great. So, so talk to me about Garland. So that is one, that is more than I think anything on the soundtrack is more about that specific environment so that was written once i knew what it was i didn't know what they were going to do there i just knew that riley and jacob were in garland for a long time they walked that whole trestle they go in the mine they travel through time so that was one where i really let let it just go and just be the score for the area but part of that was we're there so long and we're traveling through all these bits of time that I wanted pieces of score uh, from other parts of both games to kind of come in. So that's where the flutes, I think, are a reference maybe to days past. I can't even remember where I stole them from. (laughs) But I basically, you know, stole stuff from other pieces of score, not to underpin this, but just to like be parts that fade in and out. Kind of like the FM radio thing. Like, I don't know if people know this, but shortwave more like like more distant radio broadcasts uh they fade in and out depending on like the weather yeah so the landscape yep uh deflect or reflect more radio waves so if you on a short wave it doesn't happen with fm but with a short wave you can like tune in and even if you're tuned in it'll fade eventually so you could go i'm gonna listen to this song and like five minutes later, if you had just let it run, it's just static because that's been obscured by weather or whatever. Um, so it's kind of that sense of having a strong base and then things kind of fading in and out. And then in turn, I felt that worked well with the environment because there's like a lot happens there, but nothing that I was really wanted to force a change musically. Uh, until you end up in the church. And so that's, you know, a completely different piece of music. So it was like, ah, I can kind of score this whole thing. And then it actually rode like that for a long, and that's why it's so long too, was mm-hmm. it's a long place, you know, you can loop, but it, all this stuff will happen because uh, the player's there long enough to hear it all. And then the only change that was made, and this was well into development, was we finally decided we wanted something different within the time tears. So when, Riley and Jacob are like going into time tears to try to find out what's going on. Like, oh, whoa, it's 1860 now. We wanted something, a little bit of a tonal change. So that's one thing that's in game that's not on the soundtrack is this like quick switch, same tempo, same key, but just kind of a different vibe. Just so we got this like more abrupt, like, oh, wow, things are different. 
kind yeah. of. So we crossfade to that really quickly, and then when you leave the time tear, it goes back to uh, the Garland like main music. Mm-hmm. That's the very wordy reasons for why <laughs> Garland exists and why it's so long. Yeah, uh, as well. Transmissions is probably my one of my favorite, probably my favorite, um, and one of the one of the things I love about it is the first time I heard it and noticed it, I was over at uh, Jacob's house, and for the first time, and uh, y- you do this thing in the upper voice, boo do do da da, boo do do da da. And you do that a few times. And then in my brain, I was like, oh, please bring in the low octave. And then you did. And I was like, I'm done. I'm happy. This is like exactly what I wanted you to do. And it happened. And I, I just, that just stuck with me. And now every time I hear that song, I just, I just wait for that moment because I love that so much. Talk to me about uh, the tune transmissions. If not the last, it is. It was one of the last pieces to be written. Oh wow! Because uh, we needed vibe, and it was for. We aren't sure what the players is going to be doing at this point. So this was. This will. At the bare minimum, it'll kind of fill in the areas where they're traversing the island. But we haven't, there's no big dramatic turn. It might just be Riley and Jacob chatting. Uh, but also, I I just use the term off-roading. But there's the critical path that the player can take to get through the whole game. But And we do close off certain things to keep the, the you know narrative moving forwards. But there are times where the player, if they felt like it, could just walk around. Yeah, listen I to the radio, definitely have. So that's one of the pieces that was just kind of written as like, well, what should it sound like when people are doing this? We still want it to be appropriate and to cover all the bases for, you know, what the what could the player could possibly be doing in that from A to B uh, time. And so it was kind of just trying to bracket that as best as we could. We did that with... There's different pieces of music, depending on how far you are through the game. We have different pieces of music that will come in if the player's off-roading. So, oh, they're okay. like, well, they're this way. They're, now they're going this way. They're supposed to turn on the transmitter. I don't know why. <laughs> but if they're just having fun and cruising around, uh, this is the music that is the fallback. But we have, the way we made it work with the game was just the first one, you know, for the first third of the game or quarter of the game is much more open and bright and like, hey, this is this new place. And then the next one's a little more darker and moody. And then transmissions is kind of the final like, all right, 
players are in it now. Uh, even if they're off-roading, we still wanted that kind of that vibe, a little darker, a little more uh, mysterious. loved it. I can't tell you in my first playthrough how much time I spent looking for the dog. <laughs> oh. It was all over that map looking for the dog. Uh, yeah. Um, and I off-roaded in this next next playthrough for different reasons. But uh, but yeah, just try you just try and find out what you can influence differently, right? You're like, oh, can I get that equipment sooner? Or oh, can I, you know, so you just, yeah, we wander. We wander. Yeah. And it was, this was a, uh, uh, intentional change from what we learned from Oxenfree 1 is that we essentially you end up with hub areas. So it's an area that the player will have to go through multiple times, no matter what they're doing. And Oxenfree 1, we just weren't sophisticated enough. So there's one, you know, kind of the field below, and I forget which piece of music plays, but the field below, Harden Tower, the, you know, there's multiple ways to intersect. So players were going through that a lot. We realized, oh, they're just hearing like that piece of music over okay. and over. Yeah. This we started out that way. We call them zones. And it's like, well, this is the zone music that'll play if nothing else is happening. Uh, but I made the conscious decision partway through. I was like, I don't want zone music anymore because I don't want that to happen. We have to have whatever's playing give the player a sense that they have progressed and the story has changed and they are further along. Mm. So that's what changed from the zone music concept to the progression music concept. Of course, it was way more complex than we uh, uh, initially thought, but I think we got it under under control by the end. Mm -hmm. And then all Act 3, once once they go to the island, there's no uh, off-roading. Right. So we only had to the um you know in Kamina and environs stuff and then act three begins and we're like okay whew, we don't have to do this anymore yeah but there's even i think before you before you truck to edwards there's even a point where it's a very video game trope but jacob's like if there's anything else you want to do here uh you should do it now wink wink and that's when i'm like okay well this is the most likely time people will hear this piece of music Mm -hmm. But you can't, it's possible to, yeah, off-road earlier and, and triggered earlier. piano in a tra I'm sure in more than just Copper Creek but there's a track called Copper Creek and there's this little melody it plays and again just such simple little little things that I I really loved so talk to me about the track Copper Creek hmm well that's yeah 
that's at the opposite end of the spectrum. It's not progression music, but it was written for or is used for like, well, they're going from A to B, but there's not like the thing or the turning point that it really has to um, reflect. So yeah, that was one of the first ones. It was like, well, we kind of need like, like traveling music, I guess. <laughs> So that's how that started was very simple. Like, don't want to, you know, don't want to be too moody. Don't want to impress upon the character, you know, super strong directive. We'll do that pretty much immediately after, like once they get to the summit and do the first transmitter stuff, that's when it gets heavier. Uh, but up until then, you know, it's like, Jacob and Riley are kind of getting to know each other. So I guess in a way it reflects that. It's like, yeah, we're just kind of getting to know these people, getting to know this island. Nothing's too heavy. Um, just let it let it ride. Um, yeah. And those are those are how all <clears throat> excuse me, almost all of this starts is not scoring a specific scene, but we're always first pass is like painting vibe. Either for specific things like this. Or just like, I don't know, we're going to have some more action. So here's, that's where, you know, lift or no exit come from. Uh, uh, is, you know, oh, these are, will be intentional, but I don't know what the scene is yet. Yeah. Or once mentioned earlier, once we get there, then I chop it up and like reconfigure it so it, it fits in there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this is much more easier and less interactive because it is like we just got to establish this mood for these two characters who just met and simultaneously yeah not leave the player too much but also you know yeah just set set the tone There's a track called um, Atalanta Third, and there, you know, there are Atalanta tracks in Oxen in, in the first as well. Um, was Atalanta Third related to anything in the first game? I kind of became hip to that a little late, so I didn't get a chance to confirm it. But um, I loved Atalanta Third. Yeah. So Argonaut again. This is back to the World War Two. Yeah. Um, missions. Um, Argonaut Atalanta was on Oxfree One, I believe. And then yeah. Argonaut. And in using that for the scene, the stuff that became Atalanta Third was kind of like mixed in there. Okay. And everyone's like, hey, we love this. And I believe in here, it's some of it's just straight up. Hold on. I'm going to listen and do a little yeah. cheat here. Um, yeah, so that repeating uh, uh, is just a chop of some reverb or something 
from uh, Argonaut Atalanta, Atalanta that we were using as like tone, but then there was a scene that happened within that overall Argonaut vibe. I was like, oh shit, now I gotta write something. And so this is uh, Riley's interactions with her her father. one of the more emotional like scenes. So I was like, well, I can't just have this tape loop playing. So <laughs> on top of that, I went back and this is again, I'm very good at archiving. I had the original synth sound and luckily it was some virtual thing. It wasn't uh, something I'd recorded and forgotten. So I got to go back to that original kind of pad synth pad sound and then rewrite and then put a little melody on top just to like, Take something that was more just like under, not underscore, but like, you know, just kind of more vibe and really push it intentionally to like back up the sentimentalness of that bit, really bittersweet, I think is the way to put it. It's, it's like, it's really like poignant in some ways. It's really heartbreaking in others and was to try to make something that like supported that. Yeah. But from yeah, something that was specifically not pushing a mood before. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Atlanta Third is <laughs> this is how things get named, the third iteration of that music. And I think at a point by then I was like, oh shit, I've really beat this to death. Uh <laughs> but the, on those scenes was like, I love this. This is my favorite piece of music from the whole thing. Um so was going back to that and then eventually carving something out that really worked and reflected mood. So this is one that is definitely more tightly scored to the scene. Yeah. And then was able to kind of work back out of that into the more kind of tonal, tonal stuff. Thank you for listening to Level with Emily. You can learn more about Scientific, see a playlist, and support Level with Emily at patreon.com slash level. Check out the video of our chat with Andy on the Level with Emily YouTube channel. And please subscribe to that YouTube channel to get all our new videos of interviews. We are close to monetization there and definitely could use your your watch time help to get us there. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Hi. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services. Composer Brad Gentle manages our YouTube channel. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media Inc. Here at Level with Emily, we're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance. It features a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. You can hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.